This is wild. What? Mommy's 34. How old are you? Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Hot Marriage Cool Parents along with our second Married at First Sight review with nut. Are you done? <laughs> As Jamie puts on headphones that don't work. <laughs> we'll wait. We can wait. <laughs> Sorry. Awesome. I'm all sorts of discombobulated here. Yes. So whenever Jamie has a super, super stressful, heavy heart, heavy chest day, at the end of the night, she always gets delirious. So we're going to get a giddy, Jamie, for this one. Yeah, we're recording at, it's almost nine o'clock at night. This is a first for us. What's the first? It's 848 and both kids are sleeping. That's true. <laughs> Usually we have one or the other. One's yeah. coming out of her bed. The other is screaming, <laughs> wanting to be held. <laughs> Stay tuned for that mid-episode. Mid yeah, that'll probably happen. But they both had swim class today, so yes. maybe that's why. So we found a brand new indoor pool place that has these. It's like a mini Olympic-sized swimming pool. And they have teachers that are in there, and the pool is, what, 90 degrees, they said? Oh, it was so warm. Yeah, so Thursday nights, or I should say Thursday at 4 o'clock, they had spots open for both Henley and Hendrix to go at the same time. So they're half-hour lessons, and Henley couldn't have been more excited. And I think Jamie was more nervous than Hendrix was getting into the water. I was, because I was like, I just... I don't know. There's okay. So this is how it's set up. So the room is like full glass enclosure. Yeah, so it, it, it's like going to see a gorilla exhibit at the zoo. Well, not really like that, but like the pool is fully glassed enclosure. So the parents can sit outside and watch their kid swim. And I assume maybe it's glass because of COVID. Like why else does it matter? Oh no, maybe so kids can't just run in and jump like when the minute yes. they get in. Yep. But, and so parents can take pictures and stuff and watch while the lesson's going on. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I was like the only parent in the whole place with a swimsuit on getting in the water. Not that it matters, but I was, I mean, also I was running late and so I felt like I was, I just was really <laughs> flustered. Like, well, Hendrix is really the only kid his age for that time slot, so... Yes, Hendrix was the only kid, so it turned out to be like a one-on-one -on -one lesson. So we got quite the deal. We paid yes. for a group lesson and got one-on-one. -on -one. Perfect. And before we bring on my parents to give the weekly Married at First Sight recap review, which everybody seemed to really enjoy my parents, and I know my mom and dad both have no filters, but they are such big Married at First Sight fans, and they call us mid-episode to tell us what their thoughts are. So we just said, hold on, hold those thoughts, and we'll just get them on the podcast to give a review. Yes. <laughs> but before we get them on, we always give a five-star review shout out. And again, we love reading your comments, your feedback, especially the five-star reviews. We always like to give a shout out each week. And this week comes from Transformation in Progress 89. Very long handle. That writes, yes, this is it. I'm a huge fan of you guys. It's amazing to see how far you both have come. Thanks for bearing your souls to all of us. I'm early on the podcast, but I can't wait to get through all the content. Praying for more babies for the two of you. Well, thank you very much, Transformation. Aww. In progress. And I will say that on the way home today, Jamie said, 
I don't know how we would do it with three babies. I honestly, I don't even want to admit that out loud because I've wanted at least four kids, if not six, for so long. Yeah, six is new to me. Oh, it is not. We're going to adopt two. I would love to do that still. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm against it. Eh, we'll find you about this later. But I just, part of me is like, man, I'm so stressed and overwhelmed with just two. Like, unless I'm able to afford, like, I don't know, full-time nanny help or something. Like, it's just, it's really, really hard. I don't know how parents do yeah, it. That's weird to me, the nanny help. It's not weird because, like, I know some people do that. And it takes a village to raise a kids. But, man, I don't know. I mean, I would need so much help for another kid because, like, right now it's like we're one-to-one. Like, we each, right? It, like, literally bedtime, you're with Henley mm-hmm. and I'm with Hendrix or vice versa. <laughs> like, what would we do if there was another? Who knows? I don't know what those parents do. God bless you if you have more than two kids. (laughs) I think the third kid just gets whatever's left over. Which is kind of, I don't know. I don't want that though for our family. Like I want to be able to find room in my heart for each of them in time and space and energy. So I don't know. I guess we'd figure it out. But let's bring your parents on. Okay. I'm dying to talk about last night's episode of Married at First Sight. Let's do it. So you guys were a huge hit last podcast episode. Oh, we have to have you on every time. Well, anyway, we just watched it last night and we had two couples that were remaining to say I do, which was Paige and Chris, right? Yes. Yep. Lala and Lulu. (laughs) (laughs) Why you say Lala and Lulu? I don't even, to be perfectly honest now, you know, I know that I watch coming attractions, but I even said when they, when he was looking at her and everything else, I said, they're not even going to make it to their honeymoon. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, Bonnie. He is such a la la and he is such a Lulu, which means Lulu loser. (laughs) Well, and you think she's in. And did you, I don't know what you thought about the father of Chris talking to Paige. Saying, you know, we want to have sex when you come home from work or he comes home from work. Oh. Yeah, that whole side come of the family on. is, I mean, they're just fully involved in looks and sex. And I mean, that was the most bizarre set of questions at any Married at First Sight wedding dinner to ask someone if they're a virgin and are you on contraception? Oh, are you on contraception? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I don't even think that's a sentence. Are you on contraception? Right. Or is it contraceptive? But this was the other thing that he was like, I have not masturbated or done anything for. Yeah, I wanted to keep my head clear for this married at first sight. We were just like, yeah, but you just, I mean, you just got engaged and then out you of broke a relationship. it up. Like, who doesn't master? Uh, who doesn't masturbate leading up to? Saying I do. Doug, that's not even the point, though. The point is that he's even having this conversation on their wedding day when they just met. Yeah. I <laughs> it's don't, like... I don't know how... Absolutely. I don't know how he felt absolutely. so... Absolutely. That's why I call her Lala and him loser. Yeah, she took because, it in stride. Really, I don't think they're going to make it to their honeymoon. <laughs> and speaking about uh, Haley and Jake, is that his name, Jacob? Yeah. Yes. Sometimes I get them so confused, but... I don't know. He didn't even seem he's to enjoy a, the, the wedding at he's, all. He's, a, he's like a computer programmer or something, something to do with computers. But he doesn't have a vocabulary. Well, he knows how to and explain what his house looks like. Yeah, yeah. That's probably the, you know, one thing that he can feel good about. But 
I mean, he has no conversation whatsoever. And she seems to be like, you know, I know she hasn't been in a relationship in seven years, but it doesn't seem like she's hurting. She goes here, she goes there, yeah. she jumps out of planes. and I, Everything she you said. Know, I kind of sort of gave them a thumbs up in the beginning, you know, going through the meet and greet. But I don't know if he doesn't start opening his mouth. And uh, I think opening his mouth is going to hurt him. Is he's what? I think opening his mouth is going to hurt him. Yeah, he's pretty dumb in the social aspects. I'm sure he's very good at what he does in his job, but Not you know, well, if he said doesn't mean anything about a job, Douglas. Well, he's something about yeah, are you social? Yeah, but he sits in his basement on uh, the computer. How could you be social? Yeah, and I, he's very your social. Your son-in-law does that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of question that too. I agree with the whole opposites attract type of thing, but there's a balance of qualities where you can't really balance someone that sits in their basement and plays video games to someone that loves to travel and goes away every single Thanksgiving to a different country. And, you know, it's I just know. like... Did you see his face? It's like, yeah. oh my God, you're away for Thanksgiving? You know, because it's not like I someone that's it. shy and quiet and someone that's very outgoing. Like, yes, those are the opposites that can come together. But someone, I mean, it was like everything that she wanted in a guy, you know, he just didn't match up. Like, he doesn't like to travel. He doesn't even have a passport, I think he said. Exactly. Well, even if you were watching and talk about Virginia, she's like, you know, if you heard his brother saying, you know, he's not a partier. And her face went like, oh, shit. <laughs> Can I say that on the air? Yeah. <laughs> Well, when you, oh my God! When you get in front of the experts, it could be a case of you just tell them, "Yeah, I like to go out. Yeah, I like to be social." And you know, if you give those types of answers without really telling who you are, they're not going to know. You know, so they're going to. That's gonna... it. Well, I could see them wanting to match people. I mean, you know, they're similar backgrounds or similar similar likes and dislikes, but you know, I can see what you're saying, you know, the one who are talkative, like daddy and I, like I'm the talkative one. He's the sit back, shut up one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can see where they would want the jibber jabber to be with the one that does it and tries to pull the one that doesn't talk much out. But I mean, Virginia, you know, she's way too much of a partier and I don't, I mean, he'll go along with her sometimes, but he's not going to go along with her all the time. She'll have to go out and have fun while he's up in the air, you know? But I, I'm telling you, getting back to Chris and Paige. Yeah, we, went, we skipped over them way too fast. We have to talk about them a little bit more. Like, honestly, I feel like Chris is dropping red flag after red flag after red flag. And not even just Chris, but his family, too. Like Doug was saying, I mean, I've never met a family more interested in someone's appearance and, like, their physique you know what I mean? Like, oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Oh, she's got a nice as. Yeah. Did you hear that comment? Yeah, she's but even nice before they, as. yeah, even before they met her, they were already like, well, she's better be beautiful, and she better, you know, like she better dress this way, and this, all these things about her appearance. It's like, whoa, don't you want to get to know the girl? Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Now, come on, Jamie. If Douglas let's say it was like Chris and he went to talk to your sisters. Would your sisters not like punch him in the face? I mean, (laughs) like how are you, how are you talking like this to 
my best friends. Yes. And how are they like, I don't know, like, what did you think about their reaction? Well, I thought the one that did most of the talking, I mean, she picked up on a lot of stuff. But in the end, she said, well, I think he's, I think he's got a good heart or something like that. And I'm going, you know, what planet are you on? Yeah. He's got a... Well, I think her... I think her exact words were, um, you know, he's got a plan. He's looking for a wife and he's looking for kids. He has a plan uh, already in place. And if you fit that plan, great. But any deviation from that, it seems like he's not going to give her a chance. And she has a lot to think about. That was, oh, God. I I really, I wanted to uh, text Pastor Cal and say, you know, were you all, uh, you know, under the covers when you made this decision? <laughs> under really, the covers? <laughs> under, oh, not yeah. under the covers. You know, like, they were blinded by that. No light. Why? The They're blinded by them. I don't know. I don't understand how they could possibly have seen that. But just like you said, Doug, you know, you, you can write whatever you want in your uh, when you're interviewing and everything. You can say... Everything they want to hear, right. you know? Well, why are you texting uh, Pastor Cal under the covers? <laughs> I said they must have all been under the covers out of the light not to see Yeah, that, you know, those two were just not a good match. I think what you meant to say was the wool, the wool was, uh, yeah, was pulled hearing. over. What happened? No, nothing. I didn't I, hear you. I just said I, I think you meant the they they all had the wool pulled, pulled over. over. Yeah, the wool over their eyes. I knew it was something like that. But I just I uh, thought. I mean, even Paige's face was like, "Yeah, I got it. I got it." But how inappropriate was that father? I I just was like, "What? How could you know?" Yeah, no, I could I, just see. Could I, you see? Big Doug saying oh that my. to you. First of all, you, you would have oh. really, you would have jumped out the window. <laughs> I would have. Oh my god, I would have lost my marbles. I you mean, I I, I really would have. Like, I don't know anybody who wouldn't. Like, that's that's like that's just. We were afraid Grandpa Joe was going. Yeah, we were afraid about Grandpa Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa Joe didn't know where he was. Come on, come on. <laughs> but oh my god, I just. But how inappropriate. How inappropriate. But the weirdest thing is that she, like, she's not running for the hills. She took it in stride. Yeah, and I'm like, girl, why aren't you running for the hills? I see so many red flags, but she seems... Exactly. I think she even took a swig of whiskey. You know, I mean, up to this point, that's why I call her Lala, because she's in La La Land. (laughs) You know, I mean, she had so much to say. I don't care if he's not good looking. I'll have to take his bad breath in the morning. I will take it. You know. <laughs> she's someone who she just, I feel like she's someone who really, truly wants to be in love and have a good family and, and like kind of start that aspect of her life. And wants to give the show a shot. Yeah. And she's giving him, you know, the benefit of the doubt, which is, yeah. you know, it's, that's nice and all if the dude is worth it. But like, I don't know, like him talking also, I'm like, how did you go from homeless to like apparently having all this money within like two years? Like, I don't know. Like, I think he said he owns a restaurant, doesn't he? Yeah. If you Google 
what the restaurant is that he owns. It's a Subway. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, they're terrible sandwiches. <laughs> I don't like sandwiches. You know that. Yeah, you, you, I would never go to it. No, you don't like you sandwiches. Never go to it. You don't like subs. So I actually like Subway I don't sandwiches. Like sandwiches. I can. What did you have today? From what place? Lunch. Oh, I had a hamburger. I don't consider that a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't I'm like subs. Like, we all know that. No, That's I don't funny. like subs at all. And I mean, I if I'm starving, I will have a ham and cheese. But, uh, you know, that's not my favorite. Maybe, maybe I'll have a chicken salad every now and then. Oh, yeah. You, you like a little chicken salad. I remember when we lived with you, you used to buy chicken salad all the time. Yeah, that, I will eat that. But, uh, but oh, that lunch meat and everything, that would ah. The um, Yeah, the other thing before we get off Chris and Paige, the other thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way was him telling her bridesmaids that she isn't a trophy wife and, you know, he's not initially attracted to her. That's what I'm saying. If you ever said that and some of the things that he did say to, you know, Jamie's sisters, they would have pulled her aside and said, get out now, get out now. Yeah. I I, I don't know how, you know, I know you have to get to know somebody, but I mean, there was nothing nice about what he said at all. No, no. Loser. Yeah. I don't know. The two couples that said I do last night, I don't, I don't know if I have high hopes for them. I'm hoping that Jacob and Haley, I think they could, build something you know i mean it's right. it's not like a terrible start for them everybody's nervous at the wedding and things change once you get someone oh, exactly. in their own personal well, space but exactly. i i just i can't see Paige and chris i can't see that working out no not at all not at all well she does I just think that was Paige admits to the camera. Paige admitted to the camera that she's nervous about the chemistry with Chris. That she's feeling like they're not connected. So she's on to something with him, you yeah. know. And he, I guess, isn't shy about asking Paige. Obviously, so many personal questions. Sitting at, at their dinner table yeah. and, you know, asking if she's still a Are virgin. Are you a virgin? Doesn't I mean? Who says that? Are you a virgin? Yeah. None of his business, right at the moment. You know, exactly. <laughs> that's for, you know, when you get in private, you ask all those questions, but makes good TV, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Makes for good TV. Let's move on to Ryan and Clara because they had their very first night together. And uh, did you see how like patient Ryan was with Clara? And she's like, where'd this braid come from? <laughs> and then she yeah, tried saying yeah. that she usually doesn't wear makeup or put her hair up in that way. Now, I think that they're cute. I think her chitter-chatter is a lot nerves. You know, he seems to be very, I don't know, from when he was being interviewed, he seems to be that he's really into it and he really wants it to work. Yeah, I like when, when her friends are like, I'm pretty sure it was her friends who were like, yeah, it was her friends. They were like, oh, basically asking if he's into consummating the marriage. And he was like, that's a matter between Clara and I. And like kind of got like shy right. and nervous and just like so respectable, I thought. And she was like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. To me, he's a very, you know, he's very mature. And he's, I think he's in it for all of the good reasons. And in the beginning, I gave them a thumbs up. I just thought that, you know, I 
had said last week that I thought she was really chatty, chatty Kathy, but I just think that's her nerve. And, you know, he's got a really good laugh, and I'm sure that they could, you know, as they were talking, you know, they were saying they have so much in common. You know, they like concerts and restaurants and so I'm giving them a thumbs up. Do they consummate the marriage? And I give the side words on Haley and uh, Jake. Side they're, words? They're side words. Okay. That's side a new words. one. Yeah, what side words? Yeah, I can't give them a thumbs up, nor can I give them a thumbs down because... Your thumb out of my ear. Oh, shut right. up. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh, sideways. I should, I should put my thumb in his ear. <laughs> but uh, no, I... I'm anxious to uh, see next week when they, you know, start out on their honeymoon, what it's going to be like. Yeah, honestly, we'll me get, too. We'll get, a little, we'll get a little bit more into how they are yeah. Yeah. with each other. I feel like I'm just curious if he's going to bring like that fanny pack to, you know, because in the vows it's talking about fanny pack and 80s everything 80s and I'm like is he going to bring that fanny <sighs> pack into like like on their honeymoon and stuff? Oh my god. I think he's one of those now that he brought it out he's got to bring it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would wear a fanny pack at Disney nowadays, but that. But I a, would not let you wear a fanny pack at Disney. <laughs> or like if I was going somewhere and no. I needed my hands. No, 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 no. There's you, backpacks you know, for that. You know, sometimes those fanny packs are very cute. Never. Yeah, so are white shoes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And for those of you guys listening, that's exactly. Doug wore white shoes at our wedding. I want it to be rememberable. Rememberable. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, you that's a word. Trust me, you are. <laughs> no one will forget you ever. Everybody Douglas. looked at me sideways. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Oh goodness man! Gracious. So, um, so yeah, so we have, so you have one thumbs down, and then you have one thumbs up. Um, after seeing, no, I have one thumb sideways. Right. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I have a thumb straight across. Good, not bad, just straight across. I'm, I'm in the middle till I get to know them more. But definitely for Chris and Paige, it's a definite thumbs down. Gotcha. Now, after definite. after seeing some of the night times together, has any of your other predictions changed for Clara no, and Ryan? Like Clara and, and Ryan. Well, you know, I gave a thumbs down to Virginia and Eric. I don't know. The jury is out on that. I I don't know. I mean, if he can be as goofy, he's goofy. I just think he's goofy. You know, I, sometimes, you know, looking at him smiling and laughing, and I just want to, like, give him my backhand. <laughs> like, stop. <laughs> stop. You don't think I'm abused. <laughs> Oh my God! What? Just want to back at him and say, "Stop being so goofy." But uh, you know, I I kind of think that maybe maybe I'll give them a thumbs across too because uh, you know he wants to be married and he wants to settle down. He wants to, so maybe he can kind of you know do fun things with her, yeah. you know, to her level, and then she'll do fun things to his level. Yeah, you know, I, she'll act a little bit more mature. 
Yeah, I think they like each other. And as long as Eric doesn't come out with more things like, oh, well, you shouldn't have guy friends or if he break, you know, comes out as yeah, like, jealous yeah. and things. Yeah, and the other thing that was a bit of a red flag, not necessarily, well, yeah, just a red flag for them is that Eric is very conservative and she has a gay sister, I believe. And, you know, and she's I think like, he was okay with it. He, yeah, said, no, he but, did seem okay with it. But if he comes from such a conservative family, I hope that that doesn't like impede their relationship. That's just like right. something, not a red flag on them, just like, like maybe a storm cloud above them. Yeah. Well, if, if they could, he has to give a little, she has to give a little, yeah. I, you know, I just think the age difference, I mean, it's only a few years, but, He's already been married, and he's mature. Yep. She hasn't been with anybody in five years. She's still going out and having a good time. To her, that's, you know, yeah. that's what's important to her now. So maybe now that she's married, you know, she'll, she'll I think, show her maturity a little bit. Yeah, I think that all comes with being married. You know, she'll calm down, and, you know, the— Sometimes you realize going out all the time and being that fun, outgoing person is part of the reason why you may yeah. be single. Well, no. In that sense. I or feel, maybe you just don't want to be tied down. But Well, I feel like I went out all the time when I was single because I was trying to find somebody. Like I was looking for someone and I don't know how else to look like to find somebody. But maybe now yeah. that she's married, she's going to kind of not want to go out so much because right. she's found that somebody. And so she'll have fun with him. I don't know. You heard all the girls when they were all chit-chatting. Maybe it was when you were interviewing her, Jamie, that she said, oh, no, she's ready. Clara said, no, she's yes. ready. Yeah, that was she on Unfiltered. Yeah, so we'll see, you know, if she calms down a little bit. And I like Brianna and I like Vincent. Oh, yeah, we I, haven't I talked really about them like enough, them. and I think it's... I think I feel like we haven't talked about Brianna and Vincent enough, and I think that's just because they seem so far like a match yeah. made in heaven, right? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, looks are deceiving. <laughs> very, we'll very true. Well, we can't wait to see for the future. That's uh, right. Shows and we you know how each one their dark side comes out, right? Right, and we can't uh, wait until next week to catch up with you guys again and see if any of your thoughts have changed on La La and Lulu, and and we'll go from there. <laughs> no, they're not going to change, Douglas. I could not watch it from now. Until the end of the season, and I will just say they'll never make it. But what if they decide to stay married? What if they do make it? Then what? Well, they ain't going to (laughs) stay. I just cannot, I cannot see them together. I really, I just really, really can't. She, I mean, even though I call her Lala, because, you know, nobody is that, like, calm and, oh, everything is so perfect. Yeah, she could be. But you know, she's, we'll I, I want to see her get angry. I want to see her say, you know, What's with you? I want to see that side of her come out. <laughs> but yeah, but can, anyway, but like this I I love you both, and I can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. And thank you again for being on the podcast. Okay, and uh, I want to see Henley tomorrow and uh, Hendrix. Okay, they had swim lessons today. Okay. Oh yeah, that's what Doug said. They did good. Yeah, they did really good. I mean, I don't know. Hendrix was I don't I, we, I don't feel like we accomplished anything, mm-hmm. but I guess he just got in water, so that's good. Yeah, he splashed around and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't well, think it could hurt. Teach him to go under 
water and, you know, whatever they do to make them not afraid of the water, you know? Yeah. yeah I just want to make sure that if he fell in ever or if she did, that they can just at least float or something, you know? So they exactly. don't they don't drown. All right. Well, we'll call right, you love tomorrow. You love you too. Love you too. Okay, we'll talk to you later. You. Two dedicated people that married at first sight. Oh my goodness. They need their own talk show. <laughs> Bonnie needs her own talk show. She is. That's why she calls during the middle of the show and she starts off on these rants and we're just like, mom, just wait. Yeah, I know. She's so opinionated and it's so funny. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, just in seasons past, like she tends to be right about her opinions when her predictions are usually pretty accurate. So it's interesting. Yeah. And we'll see. Yeah, I guess we'll see. But I'm so excited because as many of you know, I am creating a course called Become Body Positive. If you haven't heard about it yet, it's at Become Body Positive is the Instagram handle. And I'm creating this course just in hopes to really just normalize normal bodies and, you know, normalize postpartum bodies and all the things that we go through as women. And I'm pumped to have dietitian Anna on the podcast today. She is so amazing. She's just such a breath of fresh air. She's kind of like says it like it is. She's totally anti-diet culture. Uh, She's, you know, she's a registered dietitian, but she is not telling you that you got to eat like spinach all day, you know, in order to be healthy. So I really appreciate just her perspective. I don't know that it's going to align with everybody, but I'm really pumped to hear it and to kind of like, this is a new path as far as like intuitive eating and intentional eating and things like that. So Doug and I are like students just like anybody else, but I'm really interested in in hearing more about it because it's completely anti-diet. It's all about eating to benefit your body and not to lose weight or... Yeah, and I think, I mean, she concentrates on eating disorders and things like that and disorderly eating, which she fully explains in her interview. And I really learned a lot. Yeah, our interview with her isn't about eating disorders or anything of that nature. It's really just more about intuitive eating and like what she thinks about the diet industry and things of that nature. And And I realized I was putting food on a certain pedestal, which she told me not to. Yeah, she like thinks that McDonald's cheeseburger should be the same thing as like a salad. Which is really interesting. I don't know that... Wait until you hear her explain it. It's really, really profound, I think. Yeah, it is. It's very. It definitely gives you something to chew on. Like, I'm not sure... I don't know if I could, in my head, be like, oh, a McDonald's cheeseburger is the same thing as a salad. Like, Because I think I need a McDonald's cheeseburger literally every day of my life. Because I love them that much. But I know that like after watching that one documentary that you will get a heart attack because it's not healthy. But I don't know. Like, so this is why I'm a student here too. And I'm just trying to learn this myself. And just, I'm curious also about your feedback and what your thoughts are about the anti-diet industry and intuitive eating and all the things. So without further ado, we'll bring Anna on. And yeah, please, when you leave your five-star review, which by the way, thank you so much for, um, like give us some feedback and let us know what you think or head on over to, uh, at Become Body Positive and or even my Instagram handles at Jamie N. Otis. And let me know your thoughts about this because I'm genuinely really, really interested in hearing your thoughts. Okay, here's Anna. 
All right, guys. So this week on the podcast, we are continuing with body image and body positivity, and we have a very special guest on to talk with us all about our relationship with food, which I think is so incredibly important because when you're trying to embrace yourself and love yourself, obviously food, it's like a human need. And like sometimes there's struggles with what to eat and dieting and all the things. And so I have been following dietitian Anna, and I absolutely love her page. As many of you know, I tend to find someone on Instagram, follow them, and then I'm like, hey, you want to come on the podcast? (laughs) I'd love to talk to you on the podcast. (laughs) And so, of course, like usually I have these little intros written out for them. But Anna just recently reached 100,000 followers on Instagram. Congratulations. Yeah. And she has, you know, a lot of times like people kind of reintroduce themselves to their new followers. And I absolutely love the way that she introduced herself to her new followers. So I asked her if I could read just kind of her own introduction and she gave me the permission. So here I go. So she goes, I'm Anna. I'm a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor who specializes in the treatment of eating disorders, disordered eating, and body image. I approach this work from a social justice forward and curious lens. I am also a human who uses the experience of navigating life with a chronic illness and progressive disability to inform both my clinical work and my words here. I am a hugely privileged human. That is a big part of how you got here. I'm educated, I'm experienced, I'm supported. More so, I'm white, I'm relatively young, I'm thin, and conventionally attractive. Because of the privilege I hold, I use this space to support humans and to challenge them too. To think in critical ways when challenging an eating disorder, understanding a body image story, interacting with diet culture, or simply being a human on a planet of humans. I am a learner. I share what I learn freely. I have had the opportunity to do a lot of things in my career that wouldn't have been possible if I were disabled from the start. I think of that a lot. I have made clinical decisions that I wouldn't dare repeat now. I tell on myself to encourage other professionals to skip my fumbles and fuck-ups and to apologize for harm I've caused. I love my job. I admire and appreciate every human that I've ever worked with. And although I'm not your dietitian, I'm so grateful to be able to share a tiny bit of myself and my work here with you. I just love you. (laughs) I feel so fortunate to like have this chance to be able to chat with you. And I know that our listeners are absolutely going to love this interview, but also gain so much just knowledge and wisdom. And honestly, just for myself too, because I'm really, what kind of like brought me here to you is that I'm on my own body positive, you know, journey. I don't know that you know an awful lot about us, but we just had our second baby and I'm like, the largest, you know, that I've ever been. I'm the heaviest that I've ever been. And, you know, I think that growing up, I, I don't know, I just like thought skinny was pretty. And so I had to be skinny to be pretty. And I'm learning that that's not the truth, as I think a lot of people are. But um, welcome. First of all, I feel like I haven't even said welcome yet. (laughs) So welcome, Anna. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll just start right, like, you know, jump right from the top. And I just would love to hear from you a little bit more about your story first. I know that you have MS and I know that you've shared about that and you haven't always been in a wheelchair as we just heard. I'd love to hear more about your story if you're willing to share. Totally. So I was diagnosed with MS when I was 15 years old and I didn't start acquiring disability until I was in my mid 20s. But My younger sister, Katie, who was 13 when I was diagnosed, I suppose it's important to say in the year after my diagnosis, my parents 
we're very scared. We're very like all hands on deck. What are we going to do about our like chronically ill child? And in that time, I think Katie got skipped over a little bit. I have very attentive, loving parents. We have a very close family. But in the context of needing to put a lot of energy into one sick child, they stopped seeing Katie in the ways that she needed to be seen. And fast forward, I'm 17 years old. My sister and I are about to go to the mall. And she was an avid journaler forever and ever and ever. And her journal is open on her bed. And it says, well, I guess I have an eating disorder. I got her in my car and yelled at her, Katie, what are you doing? You're so beautiful. You're so smart. You're so good at sports. Everybody loves you. Why would you do this to yourself? Like berating my sister. Again, I was 17. So I give myself a little bit of grace for not knowing what I didn't know. But as a human who had never had a direct experience with an eating disorder, and it felt pretty fine in her body forever, I didn't understand what was happening with Katie. So I finished high school. I went to college. My initial intent was to be a sports broadcast journalist, you know, like on the football field. I love sports. And I was on a bunch of medications. I didn't feel well. I had to come home. And I came home to a sister who I didn't recognize. And I'm not talking about physical recognition. Um, I'm just talking about my sister was deeply entrenched in an eating disorder. And so I took my first nutrition class and two and a half years later, I graduated from college with the intention of becoming an eating disorder dietitian. Ultimately, the objective of my work was to be able to tell my sister that people get better. She has long since gotten well. And I've been fortunate to work with thousands of people. And I know that recovery is real and recovery happens. I think Like I even think about your kids, like the challenges of young people working towards recovery, young people and people of any age in the context of, you know, handheld computers and comparison. Woof. Like it was different when Katie was sick and being treated than it is right now. So that is why I am here. This is why I'm so lucky and I'm so fortunate to have the following that I do on social media, but it feels really important to me, you know, that I use my privilege and stand on as high a mountain as I can when I'm shouting against diet culture because I do not have $75 billion, but this is the industry that is ultimately at the underpinnings of everything that I work against. That's amazing. And I mean, it is a fine line now with so much access to people and to social media and so many different images of what's popular, what's accepted, what's acceptable. And when you think back and I'm 36 or 37 or 38, I forget which one. You're 38. Yeah. But, um, (laughs) an eating disorder and a lot of even like allergies was kind of unheard of when I was growing up. And all we had was TV, really, and magazines to look at. And I think the whole eating phenomena has really, I mean, and you could probably attest to this, the food has gotten a lot worse as far as preservatives and everything else in fast food. Do you find that it's easier now to recognize and treat eating disorders as it was back then? Okay, so before we get into that, I do want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Kenko. Now, Kenko smoothies are my new jam for 2021. I am a huge fan of smoothies. I love them in between meals. 
And up until now, we always had a ton of frozen fruit in our freezer. Well, Kenko smoothies are super easy to make. They're so nutritious. There's no blender or juicer needed. You just pour a Kenko packet into the water or your favorite milk, shake it up, and you're good to go. And these Kenko packets have made it so easy to get your dose of fruits and vegetables. And they're only made from organic whole fruits and veggies. They're flash frozen and slow dried to lock in all the fiber and the nutrients. There's no added sugar, no fiber taken out, none of the junk that you're getting with traditional smoothies. And where smoothies as a standalone are usually expensive or to buy a ton of frozen fruit is usually expensive, each Kenko smoothie costs less than three bucks. And if you go to Kenko, that's K-E-N-C-K-O.com, you could take their quick nutrition quiz, fill out your flexible monthly order and choose from 15 functional flavors that match your goals and taste. My favorite by far is their Energy Surge, which has a ton of greens, spinach, kale, kiwi, pineapple, apple, banana, ginger, but they have everything for recovery, mental focus, digestion, brain boost, and you can start creating healthy habits right now. Go to kenko.com slash HMCP, that's K-E-N-C-K-O.com slash HMCP, pick out your flexible monthly plan and they usually don't give discounts. So this is the first time that they're running this, but the first 100 listeners that go will get 25% off your first order. That's kenko.com slash HMCP and get 25% off only if you're one of the first 100. So again, 25% off the first 100 listeners at kenckocom backslash HMCP. Now, our next sponsor is March of Dimes, and this is more of a raising awareness to help prevent birth defects among all women of childbearing ages and their family. Now, the theme for National Birth Defects Prevention Month for 2021 is best for you, best for baby. And healthy choices are more important now than ever, especially if you're trying to get pregnant in 2021, as we all continue to face the whole COVID-19 pandemic. And something, quite frankly, that hits very close to home, bringing a baby in during COVID-19. But some research shows that pregnant persons might have a higher risk for severe illness or death from COVID-19 compared to non-pregnant people. And birth defects can come from genetics, behavior, social and environmental factors, and not all birth defects can be prevented. But we do know that if we adopt certain healthy habits, it does increase your chance to have a healthy full-term pregnancy, like protecting yourself from COVID-19. Be sure to take 400 micrograms of folic acid every single day, which is a B vitamin proven to help prevent some of the major birth defects in brain and spine try to get pregnancy checkups, and of course, avoiding substances that are harmful during pregnancy, especially within the first trimester. So Jamie and I encourage you to join the conversation about National Birth Defects Prevention Month by following hashtag best the number four you, best the number four baby on social media and visiting the March of Dimes website at marchofdimes.org or N-A-C-E-R-S-A-N-O.org as well as the CDC, which is cdc.gov backslash birth defects to help educate and generate awareness among women of childbearing age and families about actions they can take to help prevent birth defects. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I will say a few things. 25, 30 years ago, eating disorders existed. All of the eating disorders have always existed. And diagnostically, we didn't have the information available. Like 30 years ago, there weren't eating disorder or there were coming to be eating disorder treatment facilities, but people didn't talk about eating disorders. They were not as kind of anticipated or germane as they are now. And even if they were, there weren't specialists that were dedicated to the treatment of eating disorders. And with regard to what you mentioned in terms of food now being different from food then, I actually am going to disagree with you. I think that, you know, there's always been processed food. There's always been fast food. What is happening now is everyone is, you know, gluten-free, keto, paleo, blah, blah, like pick your poison. Something like food has been elevated in such a way that certain foods will save you. And then other foods are going to be the reason that you get sick or the reason that you die. And we give a lot of power to food. And equally, thinking about what you see on social media, what you see on television, people are sharing, you know, like you take a thousand photos before you found like the one that you want to share, but everyone looks at like that one picture. It's the same thing with people thinking about food. We culturally are elevating things that 20 years ago would have been ridiculous to elevate. In 2000, I believe it was 2017 when I gave this presentation. So let's go to like 2015 was when gluten-free everything became like available and like you could go to every restaurant and they had a gluten-free option. So thinking about the fact that that phenomena is now about six years old, before then, before 2012, like on Google Trends, which is very interesting if you want to be a nerdy sometime, prior to 2012, searching for gluten-free on Google was relatively not a thing. 1% of the U.S. population has celiac disease, so they mandated can't have gluten. In 20, I think it was 2015, 50% of the American population or 30% of the American population was following a gluten-free diet. Okay. I kind of want to touch on this because I feel like it is so confusing to me, like me, myself, excuse me, I'm postpartum and I've been diagnosed with postpartum depression and I have hypothyroidism. And so I'm like, I'm just trying to help myself just by the way I live my life, like not just medication. And I am on medication. There's no stigma attached to that. Like for me, myself, I know that there is for so many others, but I just want it to be known that I think there should be no stigma attached to it. But I also think that it's really important to try, if you're able to, to try to help yourself as well. And so for me, I'm like, I don't want to be like the girl that's like, or the mom, realistically, laying in bed with my kids, like being like, please come play. And I just have no energy. So I'm trying to heal myself and so, or to help myself heal. And so I've been literally, I have tried, and this is prior to this body positive movement that I'm trying to like be a bit of a part of, but um. 
I've tried multiple different diets and, and I do feel relatively better sometimes when I cut out the sugar or, you know, a lot, some people say, do not have gluten because you have hypothyroidism and it can really affect your thyroid. And so this is what's so confusing to me is that you are a registered dietitian and it seems like you're saying that I can have gluten, that like gluten isn't, that's kind of like a fancy, I don't know. So tell me what you think. I'm just dying to know like what your opinion is on you know, gluten-free and is it really helpful? Obviously, you know, for celiac, of course it is. But how about for me, someone who just has hypothyroidism and- who doesn't have celiac. Yeah. So I'm going to actually respond to this as someone with a chronic illness who earlier in the progression of my disability attempted to mitigate my illness by virtue of significantly modulating what I was eating. I think there are important things to note. So if you choose to not eat gluten or not eat dairy or soy or corn or whatever, and you feel well and you feel better, that's excellent. I believe very strongly that you listening to your body is the way to you know, be the best, most connected to your body, healthiest version of you that you can possibly be. What I also know is that when folks hang their hat on success, however success is defined, by virtue of following some extrinsic set of rules, someone else's plan, it often leaves us and certainly left me feeling like at the end of doing this horrible thing that is like antithetical to everything I think about food, but I was eating following these rules because I really wanted to get better. At the end, I still had MS and I felt badly because I didn't do it well enough. And it's like the crazy thing is we know that 95% of humans who engage in dieting practices will not be able to sustain any weight loss that has occurred past about two years. So this is not a human failure thing. This is a biology thing. And so I'm kind of conflating two different things. So with regard to like trying to heal myself of MS, a doctor wrote this book and on the cover it says how I healed myself of progressive MS. And when I think about it now, can I swear on this show? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's encouraged. Like, Not really, but like it's so fucking man- manipulative and aggressive to say out loud on outside of a book how I healed myself of a disease that doesn't have a cure. Like literally fuck you. Yeah. And I'm a dietitian. I'm an anti-diet dietitian and I was desperate. So I was scared. and I'm So of course you buy the book. Right. So this is how wellness culture kind of comes in and plays with our insecurities. I don't have any care. If you don't want to eat gluten, don't eat gluten. I don't think that your not eating gluten is going to do anything with regard to your thyroid. That is my personal opinion. However, I am never going to tell a person to not do a thing that feels good. I think we have to be really careful because certainly in the context of eating disorders, when folks are in the pro- and eating disorders and also dieting, people feel better usually at the beginning. Like you get like physical reinforcement in the immediate, whatever that is. So whether it's two weeks or two months, like you feel better and you're like, whoa, this is awesome. So you go gluten-free and you're like, I feel so- I, like this is a brand new me. I feel like I'm five years younger. And then like you stop feeling five years younger and you're like, you know what, then I need to take a dairy. Somebody told me like my neighbor's cat doesn't have dairy. So like I shouldn't have dairy anymore. And then you're going to feel good again. And then it's soy and the, like whatever it is. But every time you take something out, you feel a little bit better because it's an act of self-care. 
I am a dietitian and a practitioner who is much more interested in like, what can we add in to your life? What can we add into your diet to make sure that you feel as well as you can as compared to falling on like wellness cultures trope right now, which is just like, take this out, take this out, take this out and you'll have this great life. Yeah. And something that you mentioned in the intro that Jamie had read was eating disorders and disorderly eating. Could you quickly explain the difference between both or are they the same? Oh my goodness. Like I actually literally had the same exact question. I kind of would love for you to like break down what eating disorder is versus disorderly eating. And also then, and I know this is a loaded question, but intuitive eating, because I feel like I'm, to be very honest, I'm very new to all of this. I think that my listeners may be as well. And thank you so much for educating us because this is, this is amazing. This is such a great talk. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) I appreciate it. I love this. So Eating disorders are diagnosed conditions, anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, binge eating disorder, and another eating disorder that is qualified as kind of the catch-all for whatever doesn't fit in different diagnostic criteria. The only difference to me between an eating disorder and someone struggling with disordered eating is the diagnosis. And I also believe, like the culture that we live in right now, encourages so much disordered eating that it no longer matters to me whether or not someone comes to my practice or comes into like an Instagram live and has an eating disorder or is just struggling with some degree of disordered eating. It doesn't matter. So an eating disorder is diagnosed. Disordered eating is anything that is disrupting somebody's life, is interfering with their ability to navigate food and eating socially and joy, I mean, socially pre-pandemic, but like when the world comes back to normal, we'll eat together once again, but not now. And so this is about life being interrupted and people feeling quite disconnected from their bodies. And this is such a hard thing because the way that wellness culture right now says there's one way to eat to be healthy and lean and like, because that is like the word of this era right now. It's lean, but like with a big Mm -hmm. ass. (laughs) Yeah. Small waist with really big like boobs and yeah, Mm -hmm. but I'm not complaining. (laughs) Doug. (laughs) Well, that's half the, (laughs) that's half the problem. This is why we have Anna on my sweet hubby. (laughs) Yes. I mean, this is hard. It's hard stuff. And it's hard because a lot of people binge eating disorder is by far the most common eating disorder. And we see this happen for a lot of folks who kind of, and this is obviously not a unilateral statement, but a lot of people who begin dieting and then fall into these patterns of being bad dieters. And, you know, we have this like last supper mentality. And if you believe you're never going to eat a thing again, you better believe that you're going to love that thing with the idea that like, you're never going to have it again. My hope and like dream would be for us to be able to neutralize food so that we're not, you know, putting one on this like naughty food, sexy food list that we put in the like, lift it way up, put it high in the shelf in your closet that you only want to think about when you're all by yourself and you would never tell your neighbors. Food doesn't deserve to be sexy. Like it, food is lovely, but like that kind of sexy food is really disruptive and it doesn't allow for people to peacefully eat. So I'm very long-winded, but I hope- I appreciate it. Yeah, it's all making sense. sense. And intuitive eating is much like what you are witnessing with your children. As you are feeding your kids, we all come 
with this programmed, you know, manual. We know how to eat when we are hungry. We know how to stop eating when we are satisfied. We know how to regulate ourselves, which is why depending, I don't know how you guys are feeding your kids and it's none of my business, but like baby led weaning, I, I don't know, like allows a kid to determine like how they want to eat. But then, you know, we get older and I grew up with a modified kind of clean plate club. And do you carry that pattern into the rest of your life, which then means, are there some times that you are, you know, overlooking body cues? The most important thing to know about intuitive eating is it is not simply like you eat when you're hungry and you stop when you're full. Intuitive eating is a 10 principled construct that is about breaking down diet culture and wellness culture and trusting a body, moving away from a scale, allowing all food to be, you know, on limits and returning to a place of body trust and body connection. And so that means like being able to feel what it feels like to be super full, or it means sometimes like not getting enough food and wishing you had more, but making up for it later and knowing that it's okay, because there's no such thing as like eating wrong. Like you just eat. And if you mess up now, give it a couple hours, you get to do it again. Question on that real fast is, I mean, so I think that so first of all, thank you so much for breaking all of this down. Curious, like my instant thought is like, well, I happen to love McDonald's like cheeseburger and fries. Like if I get to choose any like fast food out of all the fast food chains, McDonald's cheeseburger and fries and occasionally a Big Mac, but mostly just the regular cheeseburger with no pickles. That's my order and with a Coke. Like that's, I just love it so much. Now I also am told that you can't eat that every day, all day, but I probably would if I could. Like, I just absolutely love McDonald's cheeseburger and fries. What are your thoughts on like intuitive eating? I like crave McDonald's cheeseburger and fries. What are your thoughts on if I just started eating that whenever the heck I wanted, because that's what I am craving. Okay. Awesome. So tomorrow we're going to go to McDonald's, Jamie. And for breakfast, we're going to get a cheeseburger, no pickles. I'm getting double pickles. And <laughs> you got fries. mine. Okay. So like fucking great breakfast, cheeseburger, fries, amazing. And then I'm a big fan of like the guideline of threes, three meals, two to three snacks a day. This is about keeping blood sugar stable. So like, you know, you're wheeling your kids around doing the mom thing. And it, it, we get to say, I don't know, like morning snack time. Let's go back to McDonald's have like maybe you don't have a full cheeseburger and fries but like you have a half a portion of cheeseburger and fries lunchtime rolls around thank god we get to go back to mcdonald's cheeseburger and fries let's do this same thing for afternoon snack same thing for dinner at the end of the evening how do you imagine you might feel and i'm not talking about judgment i'm asking how do you think your body is going to feel if you have a cheeseburger and french fries all day long well, I think my, I don't know. I think that, of course, I'd feel sluggish. I feel like I feel sluggish after one meal, really, to be honest. Um, I feel like I do get that rush of endorphins, probably because it's so exciting to have this cheeseburger and fries, you know, that I'm not supposed to be eating, or at least that's what I tell myself. I always feel like shit after a lot of fast food. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's mental or my body talking to myself. And, and I don't think that I really know, and if you don't eat, the right way, or if you don't eat foods that are going to enhance your well-being and give you the nutrition, 
I would think that some people wouldn't know what their body would feel with the so-called good type of food versus bad type of food if they're always eating fast food. How does one introduce the good foods and then recognize that their body actually feels better? Yeah, I really like what you asked because you were like, how do I know if it's just mental or if it's physical? Because I think that it's all connected, really. Like our brain is so connected to our physical being. And it's true. Like I think that I tend, because I know what's supposed to be bad for me. So then I'll think that I feel bad, even just mentally. So how do you disrupt that thought? Or should I disrupt that thought? I'm curious what you would say about that. So I am 1,000% a person who does not believe in the categorization of good food, bad food. I think it only messes up. I mean, that in itself is a practice that is something I think about in clinical practice with my humans. And it is a disordered eating something. And again, this is why I'm saying I think a lot of our country, a lot of our culture is disordered with food. So, and I think, Doug, your question about how would someone know if all they're eating is fast food that they don't feel well, to be quite honest, I think that the only humans who are relying on fast food in the way that we are describing right now are people who are significantly underprivileged and are living in food deserts, to be frank. So we are having a conversation and I'm really not worried about someone only eating fast food. Your body doesn't know that it's fast food, right? It's just digesting carbs, proteins, fats, vitamins, minerals, water. Those are the six things that you can get from food. And if we elevate a McDonald's something as though it is like the worst thing or, I mean, it can, it is the best thing. It tastes so good. I'm not telling you that you should eat it all the time. And I wonder what it would be like if it were to be a little bit more of a neutral thing. So if you had a cheeseburger and fries like on a monthly or an every other month basis and you're like, okay, this is just a meal. In my brain, a cheeseburger is the same thing as having, say, like a couple of pieces of bread with turkey and no pickles for you, double pickles for me. It's, it's the same thing. Carbs and proteins and fats are the same. And French fries are carbs and some fat. Like your body doesn't know. Okay, so if you, I was gonna say, like you're talking to two people who are so foreign to intuitive eating and disordered eating. And I do realize that I put certain foods on a pedestal and it's just, I guess the way that I've been taught that fast food is bad and greasy and fatty foods and too much sugar, all of that's bad. And the latter, which doesn't seem appealing to me, is like the kale chips and spinach. And it's like, I'm so far on both sides that I try to find a happy medium. And for me, anytime that I would think about a diet, I've never thought about well-being. I always thought a diet is something that will make you gain weight or lose weight. And it was never taught or engraved in my head that it makes your body well, or it gives you the nutrients or everything that you need to feel good or feel human. And I would think that I probably, like a lot of people, just diet to get bigger, diet to get skinnier, instead of thinking about the nutritious value in food. And again, this is a really unsexy answer, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you have access to food, like if you have the ability to feed yourself on a regular basis every single day, I'm basically not worried about your vitamin and mineral intake. Like mostly it doesn't matter. Really? Um, yes. I like feel like I have never heard this before. I'm dying to hear more. 
truly. I feel like all I ever hear is how important it is to have more greens than anything else. And like, I'm just dying to hear more because I kind of love, I mean, I feel like I would have so much less stress in my life if I did live like that. So please elaborate. So fiber is important, right? I'm not going to negate eating fibrous things, greens, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, whatever. Like this is important for digestive health. This is an important component of eating in a well-rounded way. And I mean, you can have all the greens that you want, but if you're juicing greens in the morning and then having greens, like those vitamins, everything you're eating, like in those foods, all of that is just water-soluble vitamins and fiber. So you're going to pee out the vitamins if you have them in excess, which is not a problem. It's just you don't need quite as much as wellness culture is shouting at us right now. Because remember, like we all grew up with the original food pyramid, right, which is wrong in a lot of ways. But it encouraged, I think it was like three to four servings of fruits and vegetables, whatever it was in a day. And again, if we are privileged enough to have access to fresh food and we're not worried about where we get our next meal... One of the really cool things about being an eater in this era is that there is a lot of food that comes that has like enriched nutrients. So if and you a eat lot of cereal, variety, yeah, there's a ton of stuff that wouldn't have been available. I mean, I grew up in South Dakota. I didn't have what I have in Boston now in terms like I can get star fruit all year long. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. They have so much access. There is so much focus and overemphasis on the importance of eating in this one way. It's actually not what it's all like chalked up to be. And if it were, wellness culture wouldn't reinvent itself every two years, right? I just saw a commercial for SlimFast, like a keto SlimFast. Like I was in middle school when my friend's parents were using SlimFast. This 25-year-old product. Yeah. Keto now? Awesome. <laughs> I have more followers than the SlimFast people on Instagram. That's how yeah. you know SlimFast is not a thing, but it's trying to return with keto. Stop it. It's a, it's a lot of buzzwords, it almost seems. All of it is buzzwords. And I'm not, I am so not arguing with the value of eating you know, fresh fruits and vegetables. That's awesome. Do it if it works for you and when it works for you. And I am much more interested in, are you actually getting enough fuel? Are you feeding yourself on a regular basis? Are you having meals and snacks? Are you having enough carbohydrates? Carbohydrates have been vilified so much. And they are the only source of nutrition that our brain can use, which is why when people are dieting and preoccupied with food, like brain fog is a real thing because our bodies need you know, we need carbohydrate energy. And what you described with regard to dieting for the sake of gaining weight or losing weight, dieting is in fact the number one predictor of weight gain. And I don't say that without immense compassion for folks who are engaging in dieting practices. Sure. Uh, and the fact is our bodies are designed to exist on this planet. We are designed to withstand great tumults if we need to. Our bodies can't differentiate a famine from a volitional diet. And so when we diet, when we limit our carbs or calories or whatever it is, our body gets really efficient at slowing down selective processes. It gets really efficient at, you know, bringing down your body temperature a little bit and reducing your basal metabolic rate a little bit. 
This is why we saw, I don't know if you ever saw any of the outcome studies after people who had been on The Biggest Loser. At the beginning of the show, they had their RMR measured and the mean loss of metabolic rate for every contestant at the end of the series was like 500 calories a day. So everyone came onto the show able to burn 500 more calories than they were at the end of the show. And that is a lifelong deficit. Wow. That does does make a lot of sense. Wait a minute. Like, can you say that again? Because that's crazy. I did not know about that. So because these people who are technically considered overweight, they went on the biggest loser. They obviously changed their food intake and they started exercising a lot. And then they lost a lot of weight, most of them, right? Because that's the whole goal. And then when they left the show, when they were just hanging out, you know, you always obviously burn calories just to survive. So when they left the show, they burned less calories just hanging out than when they came on the show. Yep. And and, and the biggest loser is obviously like the most grotesque demonstration of fat hatred. And that, yeah. and that is the social justice issue of our sure. time. And yes, every single person who went on that show and was over-exercised and undernourished for a relatively short period of time, and some people lost metabolic rate beyond 500 calories, that was just the average loss. Wow. Oh my gosh. I'm not suggesting that people are doing, you know, nobody has Jillian Michaels think fuck in their house, but that is what dieting does it primes us to survive the next time we are assaulted so let's say that you were running the biggest loser i know that you probably wouldn't but let's say that you were running it what advice do you give to the contestants if they want to lose weight to lose weight i say run as fast as you can in another direction and I'm not a dietitian that promotes weight loss in any way. I am much more interested in promoting healthy relationships with food and body. I think we have always lived and like humans have always existed on a bell curve. There have always been small people and always been people who have been very large. And most of us hang out somewhere in the middle. The advent of dieting has shifted that bell curve. So we talk about people in the world living in larger bodies as compared to like earlier versions of themselves. The fact is like everything in the 80s and 90s, everything was fat free and then everything was carb free. And now we're doing these like wonky, like choose your own adventure thing with food. People have always lived in all different kinds of bodies Now we are shown more than ever this one body or like a few bodies that are deemed appropriate or acceptable or worthy. And everyone else is supposed to be chasing the wheel to get there. And the fact is, for a lot of humans, they won't get there. And it's not because they're not trying. It's not because they're not taking care of themselves. It's because that's not what biology dictated for them. About 80%, I believe 80% of like physical, it's even higher than that, like 80% of outcomes in terms of where a body lands is just based on biology. So most of what we do, like it doesn't matter what I do, I am never going to be, I mean, regardless of the fact that I use a walker to get around, thinking about myself without a disability, there was never going to be a way that I was going to have like Serena Williams's physique. We are genetically not the same. And so- And equally, Serena is never going to look like me. 
we're just not supposed to look all the same. I have a lot of compassion for people who want to diet. Because of course you want to diet because what a shitty planet to live on to be in a body. Yeah. Oppression is real and people who live in fat bodies are harmed. And so I totally appreciate people wanting to, you know, quote, change their bodies, change their lives. I am far more interested in how can we change the way you're relating to your body. Gotcha. And how can I, as a thin person, advocate for you like as much as I possibly can about your deservedness of appropriate and unbiased care? No, that totally makes sense. And so I'm kind of curious, was there any drastic change that you had before you started learning about or becoming a dietitian? Was there a major change from before you took those classes to after in the way that you approached food and life? Oh, without any question. So I was not trained in school to say any of the things that I'm saying at all right now. This is 100% about secondary learning as a professional. This is about my learning about health at every size, my learning about intuitive eating as a practice and as a way of being. This is about listening to hundreds and hundreds of sad stories of people being mistreated And this is my really thoughtfully examining the scientific literature that exists around nutrition. Nutrition is a relatively new science as compared to physics, for example, but it's not changing as rapidly as everyone kind of would seem to believe that it is if you're watching TV. It seems like there's this new fresh thing that's going to save you every other year. Like a couple years ago, it was like coconut oil was going to be like the thing. Like, And this is even like pre-keto, but it was like save your brain. And then like acai bowls became like a thing. It's just there's food trends, like nutrition science. It's new, but it's not it's actually not that transient. It doesn't change that that much. And so if any of our listeners out there, if they suspect or know someone that has an eating disorder or unhealthy habits, what advice do you have to help them approach that person? So if there's a human in your life that you feel concerned for in reference to their relationship with food and body, perhaps, depending on your relationship with them, I am all for being direct. Eating disorders are the most lethal of all mental illnesses. I do not not take any of this seriously. These are very, very, very clinically significant and serious conditions. And so if you are worried about a human in your life who might be struggling, you know, ask if they need help. And again, not to say that you are going to be the source of all the wisdom and all the answers, but I'm really glad to say there are lots of us who have dedicated our careers to the support of folks trying to live without eating disorders. Okay. I love that. And the other thing I wanted to say before we wrap this up is I feel like a lot of our listeners, if they are listening and they're like, okay, well, thank you so much, first of all, for kind of breaking this down. I feel like that's where I'm at as well. But, you know, is it okay for me to love my body and to love myself, but still want to lose weight? Like, what is your answer to that? Sure. I I think that we live in a really hard culture, you know, for people to not want to lose weight. We elevate weight loss as though it is the most impressive thing a human body can do. False. And of course, it makes sense If you live in a body that you don't feel comfortable in, you might want to lose weight. I think body love is a prerequisite for nothing. I actually am not a fan of the concept of body love as a destination because the relationship we have with our bodies 
is the longest relationship we will ever have. And like any other relationship, it is not always like you guys love each other, but that doesn't mean that you're always like happy every single moment. That's not a real relationship. Can't expect the same thing about like our experience with our bodies. It's going to be shaky and sometimes it'll be gleeful. And so long as we can be respectful all along the way, we can actually find some body peace. Oh, I love that. And then the other thing, the one last question is just, okay, so I've heard it all and you know, I do still want to lose weight. What would you say to someone like that? Like, what do you recommend is a healthy way to want to lose weight? And is there a healthy way to want to lose weight? Uh, so I'm going to reiterate what I just said, and I don't mean to be a jerk. I totally appreciate why weight loss is a desired outcome. And we have yet to find a scientifically supported method for sustainable weight loss that doesn't come without psychological or physiological cost. So I'm not going to be the person to sign off and say everybody should be doing X, Y, or Z. I think intuitive eating is a wonderful resource. I think the book Anti-Diet, written by Christy Harrison that came out earlier in the year, at the end of last year, is again, a wonderful resource. And you don't have to be ready to hear what I'm saying right now. I anticipate that the things I'm saying to you on it, like this probably feels antithetical to what a lot of folks have said on this podcast or have, and certainly it is antithetical to what a lot of people on the internet are saying. I totally acknowledge that. I welcome you to join me on Instagram. And I, as I said at the very beginning, I am one voice. There are lots of us, but we are much more quiet than a $74 billion diet industry that is reinforcing its importance on every turn. So if any of this feels appealing or interesting or like also like what the fuck, please reach out. I'm happy. I run my own social media. I would be happy to talk to you. And there isn't a diet, but I would highly recommend intuitive eating if that feel like it's a, that's a great book. Well, before we get to where people can find you, just something that I was curious, and this is something that I've always believed and just, you know, maybe it's just how I grew up, but I think a lot of people will think that heavy or overweight people equals unhealthy and skinny equals healthy. So based on your research and the studies, is there a healthy overweight person or not person, but is it healthy to be overweight or is there a healthy overweight? You're going to hate me so much. But um, no, this is I, so educational. I don't describe humans. I don't categorize people based on BMI strata. BMI is a concept that was developed in the 1800s by a mathematician, not for use on women. One, it was all men, but not for use in medicine. Insurance companies in the States like glommed on to the concept of BMI and when like being in a larger body or fat body became something that was pathologized when we, they developed these categories of overweight and obesity. Insurance pays out differently for those categories. And so we saw a huge amount of condemnation for people who lived in, and I'm using fat as an adjective, as a descriptor, I'm not using it as a shaming term, but people who lived in large fat bodies started being treated much more poorly. So to answer your question, a thousand percent. You can be fat and super fat and healthy in a body. Equally, I am a thin person. I am not healthy. I will never be healthy like a day in my life. And so when we look at 
just the outsides, we are missing all the rest of it. Thinking about things that are really contributory towards health. How are you sleeping? Are you safe? Do you have access to food? Do you have like a roof over your head? These are relatively basic things, but they account for more health outcomes, social connection. That accounts for more health outcomes than how you eat or how you exercise ever, ever, ever will. Oh my gosh, that's I, such I a mean, good way to, yeah. to like way to put, to dot your I and cross your T. Like, so good. Thank yeah. you so much for all of that. <laughs> like, just so good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I could talk to you all day. I'm sure you don't have all day to talk, so I will let you go. But for those of you guys listening, where can they find you if they want to dive into this a little bit more or to just be exposed a little bit more to the anti-diet culture? And I'm right there with those of you guys listening because this is so new to me, but it's all very intriguing and I'm so thankful that I've kind of stumbled upon it myself. So Anna, where can everyone find you? I am on Instagram at Dietitian Anna. D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N, no C's. Even though it sounds like it should have a C in it, in America, it's two T's. Dietitian Anna. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, I mean, I can't like thank you enough. And so, yeah, that's it then. Thank you so much. And I'll probably be in touch with you again if ever it comes a time. You know, let us know if you're available. I love talking. So I would be delighted. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Okay, great. And thank you for not holding back. Yeah, and thank you for being very like very so. frank because, I mean, no one has time for like beating her on the bush, <laughs> right? I definitely don't have time for that. You, so I mean, you, thanks you, for allowing you, me to do that. Yeah, You've changed my mind a lot, the way that I perceive things. So thank you. Yes. Yeah, and same. So thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I'm the most important person to change their mind. So yeah. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. Well, well, well. Anna really opened my eyes to the way I look at food. Yeah, I think it was definitely an amazing introduction. I feel like she may have gotten annoyed with us a little bit yeah, yeah. at a, a time or two. One perspective uh, about food and diets and everything, but certainly someone that's passionate about what she does, for sure. Yeah, and I can appreciate that. I mean, I, I'm here to learn, and I, honestly, I just want to love myself and my body and take care of myself and my body because it's the only one I have. So... I mean, that's what my mission is. And my yeah. mission is to kind of support women who also have a similar mindset with me. And so I think it's good to like hear different philosophies and, you know, just have an open mindset rather than closing off, you know, the box and just assuming yeah. that one way is the way. Right. Well, I don't know. I had a lot of fun during that interview. I always like someone that isn't afraid to come back at you and certainly has a point of view. And next week we have another fantastic guest that's going to be on. Yeah. Nastasia. Yes. And she is all about, like her motto is cancel snapback culture. And what she means by that is that you know, like women have been expected to snap back after having a baby. And this is coming from a professional model. Yeah. So, you know, models, of course, are expected to snap back. If, if they want to work still, then they usually would have to snap back and get back to their, like, pre-baby weight and all the things. But, I mean, newsflash, I don't know <laughs> why it's taken. I mean, we've been procreating, recreating for so long. Yeah. And it just isn't like your body is never going to be the same before you have a baby. And that is not a bad thing. That is actually beautiful. Yeah. we. She's a really good guest, really fun guest. And, and thank you again for all of your reviews and your feedback and uh, wear a mask. And we love uh, seeing you wear a mask. Doug. 
Yeah, that was weird. And again, anything hot marriage, cool parents, you can visit our Instagram page or at Jamie and Otis or at Doug Hainer. And we love you. Yeah, we love you. And there's also at hot marriage, cool parents. So if you uh, want to hang out there with us, never mind. All right. <laughs> well, see you later. <laughs> Goodbye. Doug, I didn't get to- I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. We'll say it now, please. Okay. (laughs) Goodbye. We'll see you guys next week.